Hello and welcome to NTD News Today. Kevin Hogan here. Let's take a look at our top stories. Russia takes its first major Ukrainian city as defensive weapons pour in from Ukraine's Western allies and a second round of peace talks are set to begin. Russian media outlets are being censored for their reporting on Ukraine as Moscow rejects the term invasion for its actions in Ukraine. New documents emerge about Dr. Anthony Fauci's agency. They show that officials knew Chinese authorities were withholding data on COVID-19 back in January 2020 before the pandemic started. Former U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo is visiting Taiwan in the context of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Is he sending a message to Beijing? The Russia-Ukraine conflict enters a second week. Russia's taken its first major Ukrainian city, a strategic seaport. This as the second round of talks begin. NTD's Jessica Beatty reports. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Thursday that Ukraine's defense lines are holding and Ukraine's receiving armed supplies from international allies. On a daily basis, Ukraine receives weapons from our partners, from our true friends, more and more powerful weapons every day. Ukraine is already welcoming foreign volunteers arriving in our country, the first of 16,000 men. Meanwhile, Russia's foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, said Thursday Moscow is ready for talks to end the fighting in Ukraine. But he said Russia will continue to destroy Ukraine's military infrastructure. I very much hope that our main partners will calm down and we'll be ready to talk. But talk, as I said, in a purely business-like, pragmatic and equal manner. The solution will be found, I have no doubt. Lavrov accused NATO of trying to maintain supremacy. And he reiterated that Moscow could not tolerate a military threat from Ukraine. Russia's head negotiator says the second round of peace talks are set to take place again in Belarus. We are now beginning our positions together and not waste time in vain. We are waiting for the Ukrainian side. Moscow denies targeting civilians and says it aims to disarm Ukraine in a, quote, special military operation. Meanwhile, in the U.S., the Pentagon says it's postponing a nuclear missile test launch scheduled for this week to avoid a misunderstanding in light of Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision to put his nuclear forces on high alert. We'd certainly like to see Moscow reciprocate by uh, taking the temperature down on rhetoric about nuclear posture. We certainly would like to see him de-escalate by, by coming to a ceasefire. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken this week will visit six European countries, including three Baltic states and Moldova, which are on particular edge as Russia intensifies its war in Ukraine. Jessica Beatty, NTD News. Two suspicious packages arrived today at the Russian embassy in Canberra, the capital of Australia. Police then rushed to evacuate the building and the surrounding area. ACT policing confirmed the situation to the Epic Times. A spokesperson says the contents of the packages are currently under assessment. The items are believed to be an envelope containing suspicious white powder. Emergency services have cordoned off the surrounding area, urging the public to stay away until further notice. The Russian embassy in question lies in the vicinity of the country's parliament building. A few days ago, suspicious pro- several protests broke out there against the invasion of Ukraine. The Australian federal government, in step with other democratic nations, has provided assistance to the Ukrainian army. Australian police are reminding the community that sending malicious or threatening material through mail is a crime. 
As the invasion of Ukraine continues, Russian editorial politics are also at war. The country's media is facing increasing censorship for its coverage of Ukraine, and multiple free stations are already blocked. One of the last remaining liberal media in Russia is known by the name Echo Moskvi, or the Echo of Moscow. But now the station's board of directors has announced its dissolution. The move came after the prosecutor general's office demanded this week that access be restricted over their coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The nervous tension and irritation in governmental structures during the campaign, which is called here a military special operation, and how it's covered led to these actions. Another TV station, Rain Channel, has come under the same censorship for its coverage of tensions in Ukraine. After they blocked our site, they sent us a notification that we have the materials, which are not true, not specific one, but in general. The demands were so unclear, we don't understand what should be deleted, so we have to close the site. Since Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine last week, media pressure has been mounting inside Russia. The Kremlin rejects the term invasion, claiming that its actions are to destroy Ukraine's military capabilities and to capture what it considers as dangerous nationalists. Most mainstream media and state-controlled organizations have stuck to this language to describe the war. The director of Rain Channel TV said, with all these restrictions, every mistake in reporting will cost them their jobs. We can't compare the war, the catastrophe and awful tragedy, where people are dying every day. That is happening now with our situation, but we are also at war. Echo Moskvi called the allegations against it unfounded and offensive, but they aren't about to give in. I can say for myself and the directors of the radio station, we will continue to work in Moscow. We are not planning to change our editorial politics. The radio station said it will continue the fight in court. A Russian onslaught on the city of Kharkiv in eastern Ukraine. Explosives detonated near a railway station there as women and children evacuated. Here to give us some perspective on the crisis is Michał Orzechowski. He's a Polish journalist, an author, and a human rights activist with the World Solidarity Committee. He gives us an update on recent developments in Ukraine and provides historical context of Russia's military campaigns. Well, if I would be talking with somebody from Central and East Europe, I would just say, well, as usual, typical, but because I'm talking with a simple guy from New York, from the West, I would say, uh, well, didn't we told you? Because it's just another Russia war. Uh, I was personally in 2008 in Georgia in in an event of uh, Russian aggression on on Georgia in 2008. I've seen all the same things, bombardment of the uh, uh, cities, terrorism and my friends also make some trips and they try to help Chechnya uh, in 90s. I was traveling recently to Georgia and Ukraine uh, because I'm doing a documentary film and we all knew it's coming and it's coming. We told you, we told you, we told the West it's coming, it will be another war and no other wars. It's typical Russia procedure. My friends are now Polish and Ukraine, they are on front line and they are fighting with Russia aggression, as we told you. Kharkiv is under attack, and the mayor says the city will always stand. What is your reaction to this? The, the fight will continue. Kyiv will fight. Zelensky will fight. Even if the Kyiv will fall, they will, uh, other parts of Ukraine will continue to fight. It's only a decision of the uh, NATO and West if, the, if you, there will be help or not. 
Uh, Ukrainians will be fighting even in, in Lvov or on the border with Poland as they used to make it, and they have no other place to go. They cannot go other place. It's, it's their home. And the enemy came there. The, the fight will continue. In Kyiv, if the Kyiv will, will be destroyed, there will be other front line. There will be all territory of, of, of Ukraine will be, will, be, will be fighting. The UN General Assembly has voted overwhelmingly to demand Russia end the war. Do you think this pressure will make any difference? Uh, no, it's a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper. It's mean nothing. It's very nice gesture. It's it's nothing. There were the same kind of uh, appeals and documents after the the Georgia war, after the uh, annexation of Crimea. It's a piece of paper. You cannot stop ta Russian tax with sanctions and with pieces of paper. You cannot uh, stop them uh, even with U.S. dollars. Yeah, you have to stop them with with weapons. You have to give Ukrainians this what they want. Listen to them. They want. Ammunition, they want uh, weapons. Actor Sean Penn was filming a documentary in Ukraine when the invasion started. He posted on Twitter Monday night saying he saw long lines of cars fleeing Ukraine, heading to the Polish border. Penn said nearly all the cars carried only women and children and that the cars are likely their only valuable possessions. The list of big-name companies cutting ties with Russia is growing longer. Among them, Netflix has paused new projects in the country, while fashion outlet H&M and tech company Oracle have suspended all sales and operations. All are following in the footsteps of global brands like Apple, Shell, and Boeing, leaving Russia while often bluntly condemning its invasion of Ukraine. Oracle's announcement on Twitter came just hours after Ukraine's digital minister tweeted directly to the company for support. Meanwhile, the list of goods that will no longer be sold in Russia grows longer every day. Mercedes-Benz said it was suspending exports of some vehicles to Russia as well as local manufacturing, similar to fellow global automakers Ford and BMW. Sberbank, Russia's largest lender, said on Wednesday it was leaving the European market because its subsidiaries were losing money. It also said the safety of its employees and property were threatened. The war in Ukraine is not only causing a spike in motor oil prices, but palm oil as well. Prices have climbed by more than 18 percent in the last week because shipments from Indonesia are stuck in Black Sea ports. Besides its use in cooking, palm oil is also a key ingredient in cosmetics. A popular substitute for palm oil is sunflower oil, one of Ukraine's main exports, but it is becoming much more expensive as well. Sunflower oil futures climbed 32% in the first few days of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. While soybean oil could be a substitute, production is unlikely to ramp up enough in time to meet the demand. The pandemic and supply chain issues caused a 28% jump in food prices last year, and the war in Ukraine is likely making the problem worse. The cellar of a Kiev hospital is now the maternity ward where expecting and new mothers bring life into a world violently upended by a Russian military invasion. This is the cellar of a hospital in the Ukrainian capital, and it's what a maternity ward now looks like in Kiev while the city is under attack by Russian forces. I woke up on 24th of February at 5 o'clock in the morning from the heat that I heard the explosion, and then I heard women started to cry and scream. The war started. Alina Shenkar is 32 weeks pregnant with her first child. She was admitted to one of Kiev's maternity hospitals two weeks ago because of pregnancy complications. A week later, bombs and artillery began to fall. 
and I couldn't believe. I thought it's some nightmare. But this is what it is. This is how we're living. Amid the nightmare, new life. A mother who said her name was Eula delivered her son Mark on Sunday night. I came here uh, on the first day uh, of the war uh, for, uh, because I was pregnant and uh, uh, 28 uh, February uh, I had my son, uh, his name is Mark, uh, we see. And uh, we are in safe here, uh, the best uh, the best personnel, the best staff in the world work, works here, and uh, we are very proud of them. Dmitry Govseyev is the head of the maternity hospital. He said his staff now basically live here alongside their patients. Most of our team have not left the building since February 24th. About 70% of staff stay here permanently. We take turns at work. Russia's invasion is increasingly bloody and without an end anywhere in sight. That hasn't stopped some here from hoping for a brighter future. Hopefully this one will see peace. The White House is asking lawmakers for $10 billion to help out Ukraine. The money would be used for humanitarian, security and economic help. It would go to Ukraine and Central European partners. The White House sent a formal request Wednesday. It's part of a $32.5 billion emergency funding request. The funding in that package was expected to focus heavily on fighting COVID-19, but the war in Ukraine has dramatically changed things. Lawmakers are in the midst of negotiations over a long-term funding deal. They're facing a March 11th deadline to reach an agreement. The State Department and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases knew Chinese authorities were withholding data on the virus. That's what one expert says, based on documents that Judicial Watch obtained. Tom Fitton is the president of Judicial Watch. He obtained 90 pages of communication records between the National Institutes of Health, or NIAID, and the Wuhan Lab, the facility at the center of the pandemic's origin controversy. Fitton obtained the details from what a Freedom of Information Act lawsuit revealed. He says he believes the records show the NIAID has been hiding information on China's failure to provide essential data on COVID-19. Dr. Anthony Fauci heads the NIAID. The documents reveal that the agency sent experts from the P4 lab at the University of Texas Medical Branch to train technicians at the Wuhan lab. That was nearly two years before the pandemic started. P4 labs are secure facilities used to research highly infectious pathogens. On January 8, 2020, NIH and NIAID staff circulated an email from the U.S. Embassy in Beijing. Dr. Ping Chen was the top NIAID official in China. An email from him to his colleagues reads, Hi, here's the cable from U.S. Embassy Beijing reporting on the pneumonia outbreak in Wuhan, China. It has ruled out SARS, MERS, and flu. Redacted confirms it is viral infection. Also in the email, embassy officials raised a concern. They said a lack of epidemiological data made it hard for public health officials to make a better risk assessment and response adding that it's difficult to assess the risks to the U.S. and global health because the Chinese regime had gaps in the details and there was a lack of a final confirmed pathogen. What's more, Missouri's lawsuit against the People's Republic of China and the Wuhan Institute of Virology is seeing results. That's according to the state's attorney general, Eric Schmidt. He told the Epic Times program Facts Matter that it's not easy suing a foreign state. We've had to, we've sued uh, the People's Republic of China, that is uh, a process where you have to go through to serve the state 
through the Hague Convention, which they objected to. It's taken us a while to get service. Um, same on the non-government actors like the Wuhan lab. And so we're getting to a place finally now where we've got service uh, and moving towards, you know, they may be in default, but we're not going to rest. I mean, we want to seize assets. The suit alleges the Chinese regime covered up the virus in part by not alerting the world of human-to-human -human transmission until a month or two after they knew it was possible. TV host John Stewart is helping veterans to ask Congress to pass a bill. The law would assist veterans exposed to toxins during service. Members of Congress were also in attendance. We've been working with them for years to see their unity. Veterans from Iraq, Afghanistan, Vietnam, Djibouti, Guam, all over the world. Trying to get the government to recognize that the true cost of war is the consequence of their service and sacrifice when they get home. The bill would open the doors to help millions of veterans exposed to toxins during service. It would also help other veterans' health initiatives. Stewart has championed the cause for some time. He often mentions it in his appearances and on his latest TV series, The Problem with John Stewart. Stewart seemed cautiously optimistic about Thursday's vote. He told attendees that even if the House passes the bill, the group should still keep pressure on Congress. That's because the Senate could let it drop. The Supreme Court denied a request from a terror suspect currently in Guantanamo Bay. Lawyers for Abu Zubaydah, Zubaida, who U.S. officials say is a former associate of Osama bin Laden, wanted the testimony of two former government contractors. They plan to use the information in international criminal proceedings. They say their client underwent enhanced interrogation techniques and was tortured at a CIA facility in Poland. The Biden administration says the testimony should be blocked even if some of the related information was being sought already released publicly. The high court agreed with the White House, saying the testimony could be withheld due to national security concerns. The Environmental Protection Agency is investigating fuel leakage from a giant government fuel shortage take, one that's hidden inside a mountain ridge overlooking Pearl Harbor. Military medical teams have examined more than 5,900 people complaining of symptoms, including nausea, headaches, and rashes. NTD's Andrew Thomas has the details. Scores of people were sickened and thousands were forced from their homes after fuel from the Red Hill facility ended up in drinking water that serves nearly 100,000 military families. The Navy operates the facility. We are going to have security commitments in the Indo-Pacific long term, um, and those security commitments are going to require fuel and sustainment. Uh, and so we've we got to think about that seriously. we got to make sure that whatever plan we have in place, whatever we do here, um, that uh, we can continue to defend the nation from the Indo-Pacific theater. Lauren Wright is a military spouse who lived in the affected area. She remembers her skin peeling, feeling nauseous, and vomiting. Scary. As a mom, the long-term side effects, what's going to happen long-term to me, my husband, and my kids. Since early December, Wright, her husband, and their children have been among the 4,000 families living in Honolulu hotels, paid for by the Navy so they can have clean water. Congressman Kai Kahele is a combat pilot who still serves as an officer in the Hawaii National Guard. They have not only failed to keep our military families safe, 
but they have endangered all of our families on the island of Oahu. Residents worry fresh water for broader Oahu is also in danger because the aging water tank system sits above an aquifer. The underground spring provides drinking water to most of the island and has a history of leaks. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. A home on the north shore of Oahu collapsed onto the beach this week in an area that is prone to beach erosion. This comes from the high-energy waves that draw professional surfers from around the world. State officials say the home collapse Monday morning did not come as a surprise and that there were no injuries. Homeowners on the stretch of sand where the home collapsed have been hit by powerful waves and beach erosion for years. That's according to a statement from the Department of Land and Natural Resources. The homes are built on sand berms. Other houses are also expected to eventually be lost to the crashing waves. The department says that efforts to save the homes can only help temporarily, and that sand berms are geological features known to be transient. The north shore of Oahu is home to some of the most powerful waves in the world, where professional surfers compete every winter. And in Massachusetts, a judge could face prosecution. Judge Shelley Joseph is accused of blocking the arrest of an illegal immigrant. He was in Joseph's court on drug charges, but he fled Joseph's court through a rear door. Court documents say the authorities had deported him before, and he was not allowed to re-enter the country. Courtroom papers say Joseph interfered with the duties of an ICE agent. The judge's lawyers want to argue she should have immunity as a judge. They say that she should be able to allow the illegal immigrant to leave the courtroom, but the court rejected an appeal to dismiss the case. A three-judge panel says she and her courtroom deputy will need to face a jury first. The New York Police Department is looking for a man who allegedly attacked seven Asian women. According to the NYPD's Hate Crimes Task Force, these separate incidents occurred over a two-hour period Sunday evening. Police say the victims were struck without provocation or prior interaction. Six of the women were hit in the face, but none of the injuries appear to be life-threatening. Surveillance video of the suspect was released by police. The man in question is seen wearing a light blue t-shirt, dark pants, and a multicolored backpack. Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan is charged with a racketeering and bribery scheme. It is worth $3 million. He is now the most prominent politician in a federal probe of government corruption in the state. The 79-year-old was the longest-serving state House Speaker in modern U.S. history. He's nicknamed the Velvet Hammer for his insistence on strict party discipline. He resigned from the legislature a year ago. A procession of senior Illinois politicians was charged during his tenure. But politicians long believed the savvy Madigan would never be among them. The 106-page indictment alleges Madigan abused positions of power. and also accuses Madigan of reaping the benefits of private legal work steered to his law firm. Madigan denies the accusations in a statement. He says he was never involved in any criminal activity. Coming up, the Showtime era of the Los Angeles Lakers will be the theme of a new series on HBO Max that will tell the stories of figures like Lakers owner Jerry Buss and star Magic Johnson. Find out more after this short break.
The People's Convoy is now in Indiana, and it will be stopping in just two more cities before arriving in Washington, D.C. NTD's Jason Perry is on the road following the convoy as it makes its way to the nation's capital. He brings us personal stories from convoy supporters. The organizer of the People's Convoy reminded everyone how close they are to the Capitol. We got a lot coming up after this stop. A lot. Ohio and then Hagerstown. Anybody knows about Hagerstown? That's 40 miles from the Beltway. He's referring to the 64-mile Capitol Beltway that surrounds Washington, D.C., which appears to be the final destination for the multiple convoys traveling across America. There was an open mic-style event where guests shared their personal experiences and reasons they support the convoy. Many of them prayed for those going to D.C. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. And may you watch over them and bless them with safety and security through the rest of this ride. Amen. intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. James Williams is autistic, and he says he was injured by a vaccine as a child. I came here on a bus. We also spoke to some truck drivers to see why they decided to ride to D.C. And I seen all those trucks roll past, and I saw all those people in, in Springfield, and I'm like, wow, like a, a fourth of the town is out here. I said, I've, I've got to be a part of this. That was, that was... Just God telling me that this is what I got to do. I got good friends of mine that are nurses that have lost their job. I seen a news article on TV a few months back where there was a boy in line for a heart transplant. He was denied because he wasn't, his parents didn't vaccinate him. I mean, and I started thinking, this isn't the America I grew up in. And I don't want that for my kids. I don't want that for my grandkids. And I, I don't want it for any American, because this is America, and we're supposed to have free choice here. This is land of the free, home of the brave. Yeah, this isn't a right thing or a left thing. We encourage all to come. We're, we're trying to unite as one. This is, it doesn't matter what color you are, what ethnicity you are. This is, this is a we the people movement, and all are welcome. I don't care. I'm here in Monrovia, Indiana, right outside of Indianapolis. The state of Indiana is called the crossroads of America because so many highways intersect here. Now that the guests have finished speaking, people are still hanging out. They were barbecuing over here earlier, and some people have been eating some of the food donations over here. Lots and lots of trucks are here. I know that the People's Convoy is here, and other convoys are expected to also meet here before continuing their trip to D.C. Jason Perry, NCD News, Indiana. A convoy of New England truckers was met with cheers from overpasses stretching from Maine to Connecticut. They're joining a national truck convoy heading to Washington, D.C. The truckers kicked off the northeast portion of a truck convoy that has been traveling across the country. They stopped for a rally at a motel in Kennebunk, Maine. They were met by a large crowd carrying American flags and bearing signs like Medical Choice, Medical Freedom, and Honk for Freedom. The convoy movement is protesting CCP virus mandates and other government directives. Maine is the largest New England state and one of 13 U.S. states bordering Canada. It's also one of three states that prohibit religious exemption for mandated vaccines. The Northeast truckers will join the People's Convoy to protest in the Washington, D.C. area this week. If you love Apple products, mark your calendar for March 8th. 
That's the date for Apple's first big product launch of the year. A virtual event where the company will unveil a series of new MacBooks and iMacs along with 5G version of its iPhone SE smartphone and an updated iPad Air. The event tagline is peak performance and if that's any indication, Apple will likely play up the importance of its rumored M2 silicon chip, Apple's in-house processor. The company that many blame for killing traditional bookstores is closing its own brick-and-mortar locations. Amazon is closing 68 of its retail locations, including all Amazon bookstores. The e-commerce giant is closing two other physical retail concepts as well, including its four-star and pop-up stores. The company says it will stay in the business of groceries in a big way with Whole Foods, Amazon Fresh, and Amazon Go. Baseball fans are reacting to the MLB commissioner canceling opening day. Fans in Chicago are disappointed they can't see any of the city's two professional baseball teams compete. I'm not too happy about it, but I understand. Um, I hope that we can get in at least the majority of uh, the 162 game season. Uh, if it's 156 or if it's 150, I'll take that. I'm very upset about opening day being canceled. <laughs> you know, first couple game, uh, series are canceled, but hopefully it's not anymore. It's really disappointing. I think we're all just ready to get back out there and enjoy some baseballs. Owners and players are still unable to agree on a labor contract, so Commissioner Rod Manfred canceled the first two series for each of the 30 major league games. That comes cuts each club's schedule from 162 games to likely 156 at most. A total of 91 games were erased. HBO Max is set to release a new series depicting the Showtime era of the Los Angeles Lakers. It will tell the story of the Lakers' formative years starting from the late 1970s. Let's take a look. I don't care who you are. If you're a human being with two eyes and a heart, this game, this industry makes you feel good. What industry? Sweat socks? No. Show business. HBO's new series, Winning Time, will tell the story of the L.A. Lakers, including that of Showtime-era coach Pat Riley, owner Jerry Buss, and star Magic Johnson. Actress Sally Field will play Jessie Buss, the mother of Jerry Buss. It's just a raucous, raucous blast, good time, with a lot of interesting stories. But anytime you do a period piece, and this, this period being the late 70s, uh, in the world of a big business, which is what sports is. I mean, you're looking at all sorts of things and what you come, who knows what you come away with. You might come away with fashion tips. The Showtime era is intimately connected to its showman owner, Jerry Buss. Buss would famously form and promote the Forum Club. It was a nightclub that ran alongside Lakers basketball at the Forum in Englewood, California. Actor John C. Riley will play his role. There have been other team owners in the past that have been difficult, divisive, um, you know, cruel leaders that ruled by fear. But Jerry ruled by love, you know? Jerry gave opportunities to women. Jerry, um, he was colorblind at a time when a lot of owners were just not, let's face it, 1979. Actor Adrian Brody will be playing Lakers coach Pat Riley. Yeah, well, I think it's a reminder that all the people that we see and hold in such high regard have had to come from uh, from a sense, there's a sense of struggle with all of that and, and nothing is just presented. 
to anyone. And, uh, you know, Pat, Pat Riley's come from humble beginnings and he's had a, you know, a long career as a ball player. And then he was, he had retired. The series will premiere on HBO Max on Sunday, March 6th. Former top U.S. diplomat Mike Pompeo is in Taiwan to meet the country's president. In light of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Pompeo's visit marks a strong warning to Beijing and shows strong bipartisan support for Taiwan. On his four-day visit to Taiwan, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo received one of the country's highest honors. Taiwanese President Tsai Ing-wen awarded him the Order of the Brilliant Star with special grand cordon praising him for boosting U.S. ties with Taiwan. Pompeo said he was proud of his achievements while in office. And I am so thrilled to see what I hope the people here in Taiwan will see, which is that these aren't partisan or political, but these are American commitments that are in our best interests, our American tradition, and in the deep interest of securing and building on the relationship between the United States and Taiwan. Citing the current situation in Eastern Europe, Pompeo asserted the need to defend democracy and freedom. If any of us were mistaken or complacent about the risk to that freedom, I think we need only watch what's taking place in Europe today to see that this continues to demand deep, concerted, focused leadership from those of us who cherish freedom. His call comes amid looming threats from the authoritarian powers of Russia and communist China. Those who desire to destroy freedom, to change human lives, will see quiet or the absence of direct language, recognition of the basic realities of the human condition as their opportunity. Pompeo arrived in Taiwan on Tuesday, just one day after President Biden's delegation reached the island. The back-to-back -back visits marked strong bipartisan support for Taiwan. In the context of Russian aggression in Ukraine, Pompeo's visit also sent a message to Beijing warning the regime not to capitalize on the current situation. Motorists, residents, and train passengers in Taiwan were affected by a nationwide power outage this morning after traffic lights and elevators stopped working. Taiwan's state-run power operator said in an update that the country was gradually restoring its power supply. This after much of the island's south and five million households were hit by an outage caused by a major power plant malfunction. The transport ministry says that normal service had also resumed on the high-speed rail line between the north and south after three trains were affected. Some parts of northern Taiwan, including the capital Taipei, also lost power. The Taiwan Power Company told local news outlets that this caused an instant loss of 10.5 million watts. President Tsai Ing-wen has ordered an investigation and restoration of power as soon as possible. A Tokyo court today convicted Greg Kelly. He's a former representative director at Nissan Motors. He is convicted of helping one-time CEO Carlos Ghosn hide pay he was meant to disclose to financial regulators. The judge, however, said Kelly was not aware of all $80 million of hidden payments over a decade. He instead blames Toshiaki Onuma, an official who oversaw details of Ghosn's compensation, for some of them. Onuma who was a key witness for the prosecution, was not put on trial in return for his cooperation. The judge imposed a six-month suspended sentence on Kelly.
The former Nissan executive will have to decide whether he wants to appeal the ruling. The verdict comes at the end of an 18-month-long trial and may be the closest a Japanese court gets to ruling on the culpability of Nissan's ex-chief. Ghosn is beyond the reach of Japanese prosecutors after fleeing to Lebanon in 2019, hidden in a box on a private jet. Just ahead, customers at a Ukrainian restaurant in New York City say they want to support the Ukrainian people. The restaurant is donating some of its sales to humanitarian relief aid. And Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, and Colin Farrell discuss their characters in the upcoming film, The Batman. The movie is set for release tomorrow. All that and more here on NTD News. Russian businessman Roman Abramovich said he would sell Chelsea Football Club 19 years after buying it and sell, setting it, the team on a path to sporting glory. He promised to donate money from the sale to help victims of the war in Ukraine. As threats to sanction Russia's oligarchs intensify, Russian billionaire Roman Abramovich said he would sell Chelsea Football Club after 19 years, promising to donate money from the sale to help victims of the war in Ukraine. The medals magnet said in a statement Wednesday that a sale was in the best interest of the reigning European and world soccer champions. The announcement comes as Russian billionaires come under intensifying pressure. Earlier in the day, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson declined to comment on whether Britain would impose sanctions on Abramovich, but said the vice was tightening on those around Russian President Vladimir Putin. And in the U.S., Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced further efforts to sanction Russia's elite. We and our allies and partners are launching a task force to identify, track down and freeze the assets of sanctioned Russian companies and oligarchs. We will freeze and seize their yachts, their private jets, their opulent estates in world capitals. Swiss business tycoon Hans-Jörg Weiss told a newspaper that he was considering buying Chelsea from Abramovich, saying Abramovich wanted to get rid of Chelsea quickly and was trying to sell his villas in England as well. Abramovich bought the West London Club in 2003 for a reported 140 million pounds, an investment that led to the most successful era in the team's history. The 55-year-old, who has Israeli and Portuguese citizenship, became one of Russia's most powerful businessmen by earning fortunes after the 1991 breakup of the Soviet Union. Forbes has put his net worth at $13.3 billion. Some rich Russian leaders can say goodbye to their yachts, luxury apartments, and private jets. The U.S., EU, and other allies are using export restrictions and other financial sanctions to punish Russia and Belarus for attacking Ukraine. And there's a new unit of the Justice Department to make sure it happens. It's called KleptoCapture, and it'll focus on Russian government officials and oligarchs. The U.S. Attorney General says the task force will include prosecutors and federal agents as well as experts in money laundering and tax enforcement. These, along with national security investigators from the FBI, IRS, U.S. Marshal Service, and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service. A Ukrainian restaurant in New York City is taking the initiative to help Ukraine during the war. 
They're donating proceedings from a popular Ukrainian soup to the humanitarian relief aid. Here are the details. People are lining up in front of an Ukrainian restaurant called Vaselka in New York's East Village. They are there to eat borscht, a traditional Ukrainian soup. My admiration for the Ukrainian people is uh, magnified when I eat borscht, uh, but yes, um, it's, it's incredible what you guys are doing and I have just, I can't even believe it, the courage and the display of courage, the whole world is seeing it. The restaurant owner wants the Eat Borscht initiative to encourage customers to buy the venue's most popular soup. He says they are receiving an outpouring of support and love from their customers and the neighborhood. I just felt that I have to give back uh, some way and uh, borscht is a Ukrainian traditional soup that we sell a lot of here and I felt that it was important to help uh, uh, Ukrainian people, my people back home. So all of our, all of our borscht sales will be donated to help the Ukrainian humanitarian relief aid. The restaurant owner's grandfather came from Ukraine and founded Vaselka in 1954. Many of Vaselka's staff are also from Ukraine. It's been a very difficult time for them too. Uh, they have loved ones that are, uh, you know, fighting in, uh, on the front line. But they're they're coming to work and they're trying to do their best to stay busy and finding ways to to help. He says he's very thankful for the support his restaurant has been getting. We're also starting a campaign to uh, drop off any necessary uh, necessities supplies. You can find all that information on our website. Many at the restaurant say they want to support Ukraine. I think it is amazing the way the world has come out and shown solidarity with Ukraine. And in my own little way, having breakfast in this restaurant helps to show that solidarity. Many customers say they feel bad for the Ukrainian people and that they want the war to end. The owner says he wants people to continue rallying to stop the war. The city council in Newark, New Jersey, has voted to strip the business licenses of two gas stations in the city affiliated with Russian-based Luke Oil in response to the invasion of Ukraine. Newark City Council member Annabel Ramos, Jr. says the suspension is to condemn the Russian Federation and support the people of Ukraine. One of the gas stations is owned by an American who says the move punishes him, not Russia. The move is one of several efforts by states and cities to cut ties with Russian businesses. A new Batman film is hitting the silver screen this Friday. In it, Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz team up as iconic characters, Batman and Catwoman, in the latest cinematic iteration of the Batman franchise, The Batman. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more. The Riddler is asking for you. If you're looking for a new film noir flick, The Batman could do the trick. Robert Pattinson as Batman and Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman join forces to track down a missing girl, as well as locate the Riddler, played by Paul Dano. That's as he's busy murdering high-profile members of Gotham City. But the film is starkly different from the previous incarnations of the DC Comics characters. I feel scared and, and very excited at the same time. but. Um definitely intimidated and and it, it comes from a good place you know I think when you're playing a character that is so beloved you know it's 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 what makes the opportunity so special but you also really you really don't want to let people down. Pattinson's Batman also has a different silhouette from his predecessors especially the mask. Everyone else's previous work on it has just proven that you can reinvent this character in like a million different ways and it's funny because you look at Batman it's it's a very particular costume it's a it seems like a very particular character, but it can be reinterpreted like 
at huge opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, and so it's interesting to see, yeah, how people, how people <laughs> receive this one. Set in the fictional Gotham City, the film heavily features politics, corruption, poverty, and crime. Colin Farrell looks unrecognizable in his role as the Penguin, spending three to four hours a day in the makeup chair to play the role. There's just massive room to explore this character's life and really get into the world of criminality that he is at the center of, um, but also his life outside of that, his own origin story and, and, and what made him the man that he is and, and how the man that he is is going to become something else in future. There are already rumors of a sequel, but Warner Brothers have announced production for a spin-off television show featuring the Penguin. The Batman hits theaters on March 4th. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Talk about a hot ticket. AMC Theaters is charging more for the Batman than for other films playing at the same theater at the same time. For example, Entertainment Weekly reports that tickets for the Batman cost $1.50 more at Los Angeles AMC. The magazine described it as a pricing experiment. The chain CEO, Adam Aaron, made the announcement. He said though variable pricing for movies is a new concept in the U.S., AMC has been doing it for years in Europe. The two words rainwater is a solar term. What does this have to do with spring greens? Let's find out what traditional Chinese wisdom has to say about the connection to weight control. Here's Gina Marie who brings us Strong Mind and Body. A solar term is a two-week period. Coming from the ancient Chinese calendar, it's based on the sun's position in the zodiac. At present, it's from February 19th to March 4th, so right as we speak. When you connect with nature's rhythm, you can live a more harmonious life. In spring, the sun warms our days and the earth. What a welcome relief from the snow. Rainwater provides nature with perfect growing conditions. Rain usually increases, but it is very gentle, so it won't damage the new sprouts emerging. All living creatures are prosperous and come alive in spring. The five elements, wood, fire, earth, metal, and water, they govern everything around us. The element for spring is wood, so all trees and bushes are responding to the rainwater conditions. This indicates a time for renewal in our body systems too. The humidity rises and is good for our skin, but bad for our bones and organs. The organ associated with wood is the liver. For healthy liver function, avoid alcohol, deep fried foods, anything too sweet and smoked or heavily processed foods. Remember the importance of a calm mind. The Chinese believe anger damages the liver. For those suffering from poor circulation, sluggish muscle tone, numb nerves or just plain old age, Try a warm bath or a foot bath because that helps to promote circulation. Now is the time to return to regular exercise, say three to five times per week for at least 20 minutes. You will be surprised how quickly your body will shape up with this simple regime. At this time of year, hormones and enzymes are very active. Any retained fluids or extra fat stored over winter will respond to new activity. Remember, exercise is a simple answer. Spring is the best time for weight loss resolutions and actions. 
the fresh green sprouts will be readily available. They're full of enzymes and minerals to help our bodies recharge, refresh and energize in time with spring's powers. Include root vegetables such as carrots, yams and radish. And colorful foods like beans and their sprouts, goji berries, strawberries, asparagus and seaweed, plus any other deep green vegetables. Also try herbal teas made from dandelion, lemon balm, rosemary, fennel seed and orange peels. You can also season your food with coriander, thyme, basil, ginger and garlic. Thanks for watching. At NTD, we're honored to be your source for the news. Catch us again tonight at 6.30 Eastern. In New York City, I'm Kevin Hogan.